but um, it's, it was just such a process. And for the longest time, the border was closed unless it was essential travel. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you saw everyone. I've tried to see as many people as I possibly can, and it's just been like nonstop for nine days now. And I just like I think I didn't expect it to be so exhausting, but then I realized for the last two years I was essentially been like existing as a human prawn hunched over a laptop <laughs> at home alone, <laughs> not talking to anybody. And so I just like flew up to Canada and just I'm I'm seeing like three people a day, like every day, just trying to get my time a little bit of time in with everybody that I haven't seen and I'm realizing that my social meter doesn't work like that anymore. Oh, what do you mean? Like, I just don't have the same capacity to be around people that I used to be. Or that I used to have. Yeah. I just okay. feel like I get to a point where I kind of just socially get tapped out. Same. And I'm just ready to go and mm-hmm. do my thing by myself, go home, work, eat, make some food, smoke some weed, hang out with my cat. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have, like, found their social boundaries and found their exhaustion boundaries yeah yeah and I kind of wonder like now that things not they're not I don't think anything's ever really gonna go back to normal but I do find myself wondering is like as things kind of normalize whatever that is again if our capacity for socialization will like greaten again or if we're just like this now yeah I think about it too and I think about how we're supplementing with our devices Mm -hmm. because my next question is then like are you not talking to people more on your phone or are you still finding that you can take space? I think it's honestly an interesting mix because there has, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I was really heavily on my phone. I think everybody really was. Um, And now, especially honestly, like in the last month, I have been really getting familiar with my do not disturb button. Yeah. Yeah. I have really just been like completely checking out or putting things on mute and just realizing that like I I can't deal with everything all at once anymore. It's not sustainable for me. No, absolutely not. Yeah. That's some preemie burnout, baby. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Alpha Good Girl, thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming from... uh, San Francisco in my living room to uh, talk with us. Um, How do you want to like describe yourself? Holla, holla at you, girl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everyone's favorite pog. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, like, if we're talking like job wise, like, what do I do? I do everything. Photographer, dancer, cam girl, OnlyFans girl, content creator, which I hate that term so much. Okay, what do you prefer? I don't prefer anything. I just, I'm like, remember when we used okay, to call what? it art? <laughs> yes! Do you remember when it was just our lifestyle? Do you remember when it just used to be art and now it's just you have to produce this constant stream of shit you're not even that happy with because you're doing it more because you feel obligated to than yeah. instead of being inspired by something organically I'm not finding it fun anymore not at all and I think that that I've also had to remind myself that if you are a creative person in any capacity like you can only be your best creative self if you take 
prolonged periods of time to do fucking nothing. That's so true. When I'm sitting doing nothing is when I'm going to have my aha moment. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And unless you have that space to do nothing. I had this practice growing up, and I'm still trying to figure out what it really was, but for a good like half an hour every morning I would just have to sit there and space out and I would just like stare at things Mm -hmm. and like I would make the family late for shit or whatever but that was like the one thing I asked (laughs) seriously that was the that was my one boundary growing up no I get this is my need I absolutely Um, get that but I spoke up in no other ways right so I think they were like we're gonna give her that and um that's truly when it all comes together you can call it meditation or like part of your artful practice or your mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. or praying whatever Mm -hmm. but that space that we give ourselves is so nourishing that self-love and that as an artist is when it comes through yeah and I absolutely have a problem with just like sitting and doing nothing it's like so difficult for me I've convinced myself that I'm wasting time if I'm not doing anything I just always try to tell myself well what kind of work could I be doing right now what do I need to be doing what should I be doing how can I be preparing for things I have to do in the future that might happen and so it's definitely really hard to not feel guilty doing nothing I think especially just with like work culture as a whole it's all about like the fucking hustle you know and I I have absolutely been suckered into that 100% I'm not going to say that I haven't I feel like I have to hustle constantly and so and then I have imposter syndrome so it's like if I stop hustling for like 0.5 seconds I'm failing I'm flailing what am I doing yeah, I actually just had to start doing this thing where I keep a calendar, mm. but I fill out every day on the calendar, like, every work-related thing that I do. Oh, that's hot. Because seeing it in front of me reminds me that, like, I actually do work really hard. And I yeah. feel like so many people, especially if you are self-employed or freelance or whatever, it's really easy to have imposter syndrome. Mm. And so, for me, having those things, like, bullet point right in front of me, these are all the things I did to work today yeah. is like I can't convince myself that I haven't done anything because it's dope right practice. in front of me so do you also plan out your day in advance yeah okay. I do a little bit I leave I'm I've become like somewhat <laughs> like type a about how I run my days now just because I feel like I thrive in routine I cool. never felt like I used to cool. so basically I wake up every morning I do a tiktok live like as soon as I wake up okay for about 45 minutes to an hour and I basically do this thing where I just make a cup of coffee I don't have any makeup on I don't do my hair nothing I just get on and make a cup of coffee this is getting used to the camera getting used to being filmed yeah absolutely automatic content absolutely and I think people like with I feel like especially with like the online presence of like influencers and stuff like that like people are sick of influencers nobody wants to see that shit anymore people want to see people that they can relate to not people that are setting unattainable standards that make them feel shitty about themselves and so yeah I just like get on and my whole concept is it's just nice to have coffee with somebody in the morning that's it there's no nothing else that's just it and so I do that for usually like my first hour when I wake up and then I do whatever like I call it offline work because I spend a lot of time streaming so I do all of my offline work um, throughout the afternoon and then I give myself a little free time like at the yeah. towards the like the late afternoon I'll yeah. usually go get my groceries walk around the neighborhood do whatever I have to do and then I come home make myself some dinner and then I get ready to do my evening stream which I do uh, for camming okay cool yeah how long have you been camming 
years now. Yeah. Yeah. When I first met you, I think you were in your first year in the game. I was, so I started, I want to say like seven months before I moved to LA. Yeah. yeah so it was about, very, yeah, I was definitely like in my baby yeah. cam girl years for sure. Yeah. And I remember at that time, a lot of girls were jumping into it, yeah. expecting it to kind of cover all of their like bills and stuff, no. or using it to supplement dancing or whatever. And yeah. it was working for some people and not for others, but you had this like really um, stable approach to it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I had a stable approach, but at the time, I just unfortunately, like, I also really struggled in my first few years of camming. It was really hard to kind of, like, figure out where I fit in. Mm. I feel like there are certain girls that just really fit that niche of what people, like, visualize a cam girl to be, and yeah. those girls, there's, like, there's, they can do no wrong, basically. Yeah. Like, they're just gonna make a shit ton of money. And I felt like I didn't really know where I fit in with everybody. And then once I, I would say honestly, like as much as I was making like enough to live, I didn't really start feeling stable doing it in a real way until I was like three years in, three and a half years in. And then I finally started, like, I felt like I found my stride. I found like the other cam girls who kind of run their businesses in the same way I do or they look the same way I do and you know that does matter in the industry especially because you know when you're how did you find your tribe like honestly just time it just took time and and as I got more into the industry and met more people those people introduced me to more people and more people and more people and more people and then uh, yeah eventually I just kind of found myself more in with like a group of people who are running their shit the way that I was Mm -hmm. and I feel like once I surrounded myself with those people that was when I really felt like I had found my place in the industry yeah and like I really had like found my stride for sure and like to be surrounded by people who are like doing it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and accepted Mm -hmm. and accept you Mm -hmm. there you go but that that takes so much faith to like feel out of place for years yeah absolutely and I think like part of it was like the person who showed me camming very much has like the cute anime girl vibe okay and so when I got into it it's not my vibe at all and she told me how to she taught me how to do everything you know she really like was mama cam girl showed me the ropes so let's acknowledge that everyone has this yeah yeah. Everybody does. Everyone yeah. has like that mama who like helped them out in the beginning. And yeah. it, funnily enough, I knew her in high school and she was actually like a good friend of mine. Oh and I had just like, you know, I had learned that she was doing what she was doing and I had a lot of questions for her and she kind of like gave me the rundown and I was like, I think I can do that. Mm. I think I want to do that. And like at the time, I just decided that I was going to move to LA. I was working full time and I needed a, and wanted a side hustle. And I was like... I think this is perfect because I can just do it whenever I want. There's no pressure. There's no expectation. Whenever I want to make a little bit extra money here and there, I hop on, I do my thing and I got a little bit extra money. And so, yeah, it just like started like that. And then it just snowballed into like full time. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. At what point were you like, I can elevate this? Probably after I moved to LA. Yeah, I think that moving to LA, it just like changed me a lot and how I saw myself and how seriously I took myself. Oh, yeah. I think that I could see that 
just, I mean, even just moving to LA for me was a huge accomplishment. I lived yeah. in Vancouver my whole entire life, and like, it kind of happened quickly. Like, I started visiting LA, and I really just like connected there and just saw myself there. And then one day, I just like decided that's where I was gonna go, and I worked my ass off for like a year and saved up a bunch of money and I left and it was like it's another it doesn't feel like it but it's another country you know it's like it's, it's a yeah. huge adjustment and so I think once I kind of saw that I, like when I really put my mind to something I could actually fucking do it yeah. that was when my perspective of myself and like how seriously I took it all it all changed kind of in that moment I love that yeah um, I'm attracted to you because obviously I feel that from you and I think you feel that from me too like we're we're like make it happen people absolutely the strongest manifestors yeah like absolute good witches for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally absolutely how no, do we it's... meet how do we meet put it in your words god I can't even remember like exactly how it happened I just remember this memory of like in my first apartment in LA that studio apartment I had is it Koreatown in in K-Town yeah yeah, right next to the Lime Hotel and I just remember you coming into my place and that was the first moment that I met you as you walked into my apartment and I just remember you being like really like frazzled you had like so much going on and I think within like 10 minutes of walking in the door you started crying about something oh my god and we I'm pretty sure we just like sat on like the floor in like my entrance way and you were just like I'm so sorry I'm crying in front of you right now I literally have just met you like I'm not usually like this and I was like come inside it's fine don't worry about it let it out life is stressful and then I think after that you like stayed with me for like a week straight (laughs) (laughs) okay my preface is that I think um like so I had been referred to you through a referral to our mute, uh, like someone else who came from Vancouver. Okay. Which was. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. Then, um, I think like right before meeting right. you, I had like become homeless. Like I had moved. You to, had. I had moved to LA very quickly, become homeless, and was going through like mental health crisis mm-hmm. and I remember spiritual that. awakening yeah all of it and I just lost my virginity and become oh my god right yeah oh wow yeah hi daddy bye <laughs> he's like be careful what you say here mm-hmm. and then um someone was like you have to meet this girl and I was like absolutely and then I don't even know like how I got your address or like how I showed up at your place or whatever well she was there too oh we were on, yeah I was just going to say, you did, like, 100 push-ups on the bathroom floor. (laughs) (laughs) I was so mad. I know. There was a rainbow that day. Yeah, and you were like, I do push-ups every day. And you just, like, got down on the bathroom floor and did 100 push-ups. And I was like, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) And that's, yeah, that's when you found out who I really am. But I remember it was raining in Silver Lake that day. And I was like, Ellie wants me here. And there was a rainbow while we were eating breakfast. And that was beautiful. And then, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for taking me in. God, of course. I feel like it, we just work very well together. Yeah. I don't know. There was like, I just didn't really like have any doubt in my mind. Even though you were a total stranger, I was like, come stay in my home. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> and everybody was fine. Look at us now. Who'd have known? Vancouver girls. 
Californian sun. Yeah, and I also feel like there is a sort of like sisterhood between the Vancouver girlies that are down in Southern California. Like for the most part, like everyone is just kind of helps each other out. Yeah, there's a lot of us down there. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, what's your skincare routine? I like low-key think that skincare is like a scam. Not to say that you shouldn't take care of your skin, but I think that there's like such a culture around it right now that's just like, you need 15 products for your face yeah. and you have to do something called slugging. Yeah. And you have like, I just, I have always been very straightforward and very basic. I just use uh, urine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I piss on my own face. Let's be honest. You're like, oh my god. I wish I was that flexible, to be honest. Honestly, I'd be a much better pole dancer. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I use like La Roche Posay like uh, face wash on my face. It's like an acne face wash. I don't have acne. I still use it though because I just feel like it's really like strong. And then I use this uh, this like balm type face oil on my face called um fiore mm -hmm. and it's something that my mom sent me for my birthday and i just became obsessed with it it comes in like a little glass jar and it's like the most luxurious like face balm mm -hmm. um but yeah fiore fiore for your face i think it's technically en fiore or something like that en fiore uh, <laughs> and then i usually do uh like niacinamide on my skin as well when I wash my face just because I have it I don't have bad skin by any means but I do have a lot of just under the surface stuff yeah. that kind of just like goes I get it around like my chin and in my cheeks niacinamide yeah niacinamide I just use like from the ordinary mm. and I put that on I don't do it every day um, but for me the name of the game is moisturizing my skin what do you use for that? That's that Fiore stuff. It's this beautiful <laughs> balm. I can't even explain it. It's so good. It's expensive though. That's the thing. And that's the thing. It's like it's like some of the stuff I like to use is just expensive. I feel like it's not as ridiculous. You know? <laughs> okay, anti skincare. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> um, let's talk about smoking weed sexually. Yeah. So do you mean like in a sexual situation, smoking weed? Like if I'm gonna have sex with somebody? Yeah, and also like, okay, do you smoke weed sexually? Do you find that it enhances your sexuality? And uh, what is the difference? Would you tell other women to try it? Yeah, I think it really depends like what kind of high you have. Like if weed makes you paranoid, don't do it before you have sex, you know? <laughs> it's not the move. But like I think I smoke weed. If if I'm with a guy that smokes weed, we're smoking weed before we're having sex, like always. I That's feel like so it's just part of it. Like we just hang out, yeah. smoke weed, whatever. Uh, the only thing is, like, they kind of play themselves because I don't like to give head when I smoke weed because, like, so my mouth is so dry. Like, it's absolutely off the menu if I'm smoking too much weed with you. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I love it. But I also feel like I've also, like, the flip side of that is that I've been in really long-term relationships where I feel like weed has almost, like, killed the sex drive. Because you get so comfortable with a person, and then once you've been with them for like years and years and years, you get in the headspace for sometimes when you smoke weed, you just like want to eat food and pass out. Yeah. You almost want to like just smoke as though there's no one around, yeah. even though you have a partner. So I think it can go both ways, honestly, because yeah. sometimes it just makes you want to eat and pass out, and yeah. then sometimes you're just like so horny. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. I find that nowadays, like, it helps me, like, I guess, get 
I'm like comfortable mm-hmm. in my body. Absolutely. I feel connected to them for sure. Yeah. I find like sober sex awkward. I feel like weed sex also like is sex that can be just like slowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I mean like, I don't self is different. Yeah, absolutely. And you can like really like I think that everyone just needs to like have a little more willingness to like slow down sex. <laughs> Everybody needs to just slow Everybody down. Everybody needs to slow down. Like <laughs> seriously, like sometimes, like you know, I've had experiences in the past where I'm like, you are going a hundred miles an hour right mm. now, and we just need to like run it out. back, chill out. Yeah. We're gonna get there when we get there. I mean, you probably will. I don't know about like me, that. but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know? Do you um, want me there or not? Yeah. Okay. Um, would you use a lip liner that you found? This is a personal question. Mm-hmm. I just kind of need some advice from a friend right <laughs> okay. now. Got you. Uh, in the lobby of your building. Knowing that you could, you know, use a pencil sharpener and then virtually through your own mental mapping, there's no germs left. Um, yeah, I think that if you took the time to, like, I would, like, chop it off with a knife, maybe, just, <laughs> yeah. like, be sure. But that is fresh product under there yeah. that's never been touched. And it was exactly my friend's shade. I'm asking for a friend. Yes, for your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, honestly, like, here's the thing, though. If it was, like, a, like, shitty, cheapy one, I probably wouldn't bother. If it was, like, a really nice, fancy lip liner and it was, like, my vibe exactly and I just found it in a lobby of a nice apartment building, I'm just wiping the end of it off and using it for sure. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous, we're like this. Gorgeous, gorgeous girl. Oh, yeah. But maybe that's my most long. toxic trait. <laughs> okay. Now that we've established that, what are the toxic traits that you are attracted to? Oh, my God. Um, inconsistency. Mm. Lack of communication. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I fired those ones off real fast. <laughs> speak for yourself as a healed woman um knowing that you're attracted to that but mm-hmm. knowing that that is not attributes that you'll find in like a character that you actually would like benefit from being with yeah I think that honestly just the name of the game has just been like working on myself that's just been such a priority and when you work on yourself you like stop being so attracted to those things yeah. you start to figure out why exactly you're attracted to it for me I'm very much like a logical brain person yeah. I thrive when things make sense like that is like when I feel most in my element is if I can if I can logistically put everything together in its place and it makes sense to me I am happy as a fucking clam and so I think for me learning the psychological reasons behind my behaviors has made it so when I find myself in those positions again where I used to get sucked in you're like I know myself better. I know exactly what's going on I'm saying oh yeah this particular thing is triggering me right now or oh yeah I'm repeating this cycle right now and that takes all of the romance out of it you know it takes all of the romance all of the passion all of the shit that just like suck you in it doesn't have that same pull Mm. when you can rationalize it and call it exactly what it is yes so let's talk about how like falling in love as a healed woman Mm -hmm. with boundaries Mm and um Mm self-awareness and uh you know toxicity in your past and lessons behind you how it feels different falling in love now 
don't know. I have to find out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. I cool. haven't I haven't fallen in love since I've been a healed woman, so Oh, she's up for grub. <laughs> So. I'm so picky, so I'll probably reject you. <laughs> like, just the, the, in a three-second voice yeah. memo with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ayo. Okay. Uh, last time I saw you was we were DJing a Papa Ray. <laughs> yes, we were. In LA, literally the, the last night I lived there. Um, I remember <laughs> that night uh, we DJed until like four. Yeah. I went and fucked after that. Oh, yeah. And then literally hopped on a flight, like, pupils like this. <laughs> Came to Canada and the was I- like... The iPod shuffle was on fire that night. <laughs> okay, Seriously. Like, our Steezes DJs, like, let's we were be honest. Good. We were Hot. good. And I love that we just, like, had no idea what we were doing. And we literally just woke up one day and we were like, we're DJs. DJs are confident. Yeah, we, we were just deep. We just woke up one day and like downloaded virtual DJs. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. We were, like, yeah. we were like, fuck all y'all, we're yeah. DJs yeah. now. And yeah. it was kind of great because I think like, you know. We did practice mixing one We after did. Time. We literally we laid on your bedroom floor still, and I showed you how to use virtual DJ, YouTube, how to use <laughs> yes. it. And we put our playlist together yeah. and I figured out how to fade the songs together. The first song was Daddy Cool. <laughs> By yes. Bones. Yeah, Boney M. Yeah, yeah Boney M. Boney M. Daddy Cool. Honestly, that song is so good. It's so good, but I tried stripping to it and it does not work. And I no. also tried giving lap dances to Daddy Cool and it doesn't work. But we had a really cool psychedelic vibe back. Absolutely. Then. Honestly, we had so much fun. And then I ended up DJing like after you moved like away I DJed a couple times like yeah. by myself after yeah. doing the same thing just this virtual DJ <laughs> but like that's what it, like <laughs> and it was so bad but here's the thing is like it what was made so it bad oh just like the technique was horrible like oh. me trying to fade the songs together and like match the fucking tempos to 50 and like cent. the BPM and all of that as you know mad respect to DJs because I was just butchering it to be honest but what I will say is that I put together a very fire playlist mm. like so so technicality aside I at least know that the music is good once I get to the next song it's just getting from that is true. It is always a pleasure, like hanging out, smoking weed with you in the afternoon. Uh, your playlists are fucking dope. Yeah, always. Yeah, best taste. Thank you have great you. taste in everything. Thank you. So, as a like, you know, internationally renowned hot woman, <laughs> um, uh, give them five tips to earn your respect. Oh my god, I made a note on my phone. <laughs> Okay, Alpha, good girl. <laughs> I told you, I'm very type A. I'm actually going to leave the room while you explain this. Okay. Because I need to pee. All right, go okay. pee. Radical podcasting. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so number one on my list of how to get me to respect you is do not come out of the gate with um, comments about my appearance. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely one of my number one things is if you especially you know someone of the opposite sex if you're interested in me like if there's one thing you need to know about me is I know that I'm an attractive woman Uh you know I don't need you to tell me like if you want to do that you can go back to my dm requests and live with the men who respond fire emojis to every single one of my stories um I'm gonna add in women too, though. Absolutely. Like I, I don't want you coming up all weird, fucking. You're so pretty. Oh 
my god, like that shit just de-equalizes us. Well, and not only that, but like when you are a conventionally attractive woman or man or whatever you identify as, when you are a conventionally attractive person, people will always lead with your appearance. And people, everyone in the whole world is more than their appearance. And I think especially when you are in the business of commodifying your body and your appearance, that's, it's basically like going into, like expecting someone to do their job in their free time. Yeah, yeah, or it's like acknowledging a a currency that they hold or acknowledging like a, it's just one aspect. Exactly. Like, oh my God, I love that you're left-handed, holy shit life like like could you yeah exactly no up. exactly yeah um so hi. Hi. do you want to go to this thing together oh for uh, what hour are you going when are you going uh i go for i think like 5 36 cool something like that yeah yeah <laughs> like it's beginning at six six yeah, it's beginning at six, so I will be there at six yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to leave at five thirty with me? Yeah, if you, you go, go at five thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. How is church? So nice. Yeah. Nice. I love it. My friends love it too. Good. I okay. won't cry. Of course. Cry a little. Oh. I was like, that's so cute. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really really nice to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay, number two yeah. is if you're a decisive person. Yeah. I have all the respect in the world for people who can just make decisions. Yeah. Like and and I am a very decisive person and I love when someone can can be like more decisive than I am. But, yeah. You know? Um healthy communication is a great way to get me to respect you. What would you say is healthy communication? I think just being open and upfront. I think that that's how I navigate things, and I, you know, that hasn't always been the case, but I am a very open and upfront person, so if you can meet me with that same energy, that definitely makes a big difference. I don't want to feel like I'm doing emotional, like, work for somebody. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's or, like, I'm, I'm trying to read between the lines. Exactly. Like, I no, that. I don't have time for that shit anymore. You come at me with what you need <laughs> or want. And, yeah, yeah, I used to have all the time in the world for that, but I'm too busy now. Hot. <laughs> Um, I would say consistency is a great way to earn my respect. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's pretty, like, self-explanatory, you know? If you can, you know, keep your word and be consistent and move with intention. I love that. So hot. So much respect for you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the last thing is people who have self-awareness just immediately get my respect. Mm. Because it takes a lot of really hard self-work. To become self-aware in an effective way and so I'm automatically just gonna respect you just for the fact that you've probably done a lot of work to get to that place because you have to be really honest with yourself even about like your shittiest things in order to be self-aware and that's a difficult thing to do not everybody has the balls to be that honest with themselves so this is true you can see in someone's aura if there's an obfuscation like the opacity yeah um, you can see if their self-actualization is with a lens of ego exactly or if it's quite clear and and uh, based on truth yeah exactly and not everybody lives in truth no. some people live in absolute fucking delusion and you know what that can be attractive when you like don't really intend to know this person yeah but they're a character in your life exactly or you're trying to kind of fit them into a space yeah 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 and so of course i can understand 
not like in early 20s mm-hmm. situations but like now it's like no you're a human like yeah. show me what you've got like speak with intention who are you yeah like we've been around long enough that we can actually have some really interesting understandings of the world and I would like to learn about those and yeah. have like you know interesting conversations with people where they can be I don't know I just feel like your perspective of the world changes drastically also when you become self-aware yeah. like in a very real way yeah and like I said it really to be truly self-aware you have to like be really honest with yourself and that self-honesty is something that is very hard to do and I admire anybody who has really like gone down that path yeah so I respect the fuck out of you <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. yeah and usually we find that in older men mm-hmm. I mean sometimes you find it in older men that's true. <laughs> sometimes you don't. Yeah, but sometimes they can develop themselves with that with that um, ego lens. Absolutely. I think, yeah, for me to respect you, like, truly, I, I would need at least, like, one ego death in your yeah. life. Oh, my God, yeah. Tell me about all of your... Yeah. Tell me about your ego death. It's, yeah. like, hot. <laughs> yeah. And tell me what made your ex great, and tell me why you, like, love your mom, but not too much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, was that five tips to that was five yeah that was all five cool uh two ways to get blocked by alpha good girl (laughs) (laughs) uh send me a dick pic okay that's the number one way to get blocked um or also if i feel like it's better for my mental health Mm. that's it if i simply like just feel like you not being able to see what i'm up to and vice versa is like good for my mental health and then you're blocked that's it our bodies to you to like have intuition around like when it's not good for us mm-hmm. okay yeah um five tips to keep your attention I as feel... a camp girl oh pay me mm-hmm. number one mm-hmm. and pay me a lot mm-hmm. um i love subs that aren't really particular like, I cannot stand a sub that is, like, secretly trying to top me. Like, I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. They try to they try to top from the bottom, and that's not my vibe. I am the top. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I would also say, you know, engaging with all of my social media is something that's really important as well, especially because when you're in the industry, it is very easy shadow band etc so engagement with posts if you're using social media as a marketing tool is really important mm. um yeah i would th- honestly just fucking pay me yeah. just pay me be obedient, be obedient. do as i say yeah, she says. you know just be good be good be good yeah yeah be i don't know if that was five it just all kind of melded into one yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mostly pay her yeah okay um celibacy love it so we've both been celibate at different periods yeah. of our life yeah. um how long were you celibate for two years oh wow okay yeah and it was reactionary mm-hmm. but also like very therapeutic and yeah. also spiritual yeah and um i've done it a few times for smaller amounts of time too and um i was wondering like what led you to your experience and how made you feel about yourself world around yeah you. I mean like I guess you could start it out as like if I'm being totally blunt like massive heartbreak mm. <laughs> but it was like my usual pattern after going through a breakup would be like or like ending a situation with somebody 
would always be that I would jump immediately into dating again mm-hmm. and I never took a break I always just like hopped from one thing to the next and and so I did do that like immediately got right back in the dating pool mm-hmm. but because I had been doing therapy which is something that had never been a part of my life before I think that I, even with what little growth I had just jumping back into the dating pool didn't feel the way that it used to Ah, and also, I just didn't feel like I was getting the things that I needed out of it. And like, I think that quite frankly, like me jumping back into dating so quickly in the past was more probably like a validation thing or like just wanting to feel that intimacy with somebody to help me get through the feeling of like grieving the loss of a relationship. Yeah. And I think we all do that. Everyone does that. We all fucking do that. And if you think you don't do that, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and so I, very but much. you are lying to yourself during that. Pr- Absolutely, during that you're, you're like, telling yourself I don't need. Th- like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm you're not t- doing that. And you're saying, you know, I've completely forgotten about this person that I was connected <laughs> to, and none of it matters to me. And fuck them, and whatever. And that's never how you feel. And I think that it's a way to avoid, like, when people leave relationships, like you grieve that loss. That's just the reality of the situation. In one way or another, you in grieve in multiple ways. Absolutely, and I think that denying yourself the ability to grieve properly is is really just you're doing yourself a disservice at the end of the day and so yeah I jumped right back into dating like a day later like and that's what I always do it's like I'm gonna be really real with you like I will break up with somebody and the next day I will I know you do yeah and probably already had it lined up (laughs) yeah I think that (laughs) yeah you're like and he has or it's like you know the thing is like being in the age of the internet and Instagram, there's always some man who's been making his presence yeah. known the whole time that you were like involved with somebody, and, and they if, know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, and they can pick up on whether or not you're involved with someone or they not. They somehow know like how to like, yeah. And so they're always there. Yeah, they're always there and waiting, like so fucking, fucking facetiming me on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, I was dating like very casually for probably like two months after that happened, or three months, and it just didn't. I wasn't. It, I wasn't getting like the same hit that I was getting from it before. You know, if I'm gonna refer to it like a fucking drug, basically, yeah, it wasn't doing what it used to do for me, and something was different, and I just wasn't enjoying myself. I wasn't, and not only that, but I also really felt like I was not putting my best foot forward. I wasn't bringing the best version of myself to the table, and I think that we need to normalize removing ourselves from the dating pool if we're fucked up. Sure. Like, and I think that part of the hookup pool, exactly. Because you're not, you're not coming as a person, mm-hmm. and you're not seeing other people for mm-hmm. who they are. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a whole different interaction as as an animal. Yeah, exactly. And I just felt like, yeah, I just felt like I wasn't putting my best foot forward, and it wasn't making me feel good, and it wasn't. I didn't feel any less shitty about what had happened to me. You know, like it wasn't erasing any of that. And I just was really able to see that really plainly for the first time in my life. And then I just like had this realization, like I started dating when I was like 14. I remember my first date that I ever went on. I was like 14 years old. And this guy invited me to go see Hitch in theaters. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he Rick took Wilson. me. Yeah. And his mom, like, had to come drop me off. Or his, sorry, his mom dropped him off. 
and our parents like had to meet and for starters just backstory i was wearing a brown long sleeve tee with a sparkly white elephant on it <laughs> that said nothing wrong with a little junk in the trunk <laughs> fast forward oh my god yeah fast forward america's number one pog um and so and then i went on this date with him and he took me to to go see hitch and he took me to metro town mall and like we walked down the mall but anyways but then if you think about it, like, from that moment on, I never stopped dating. Mm-hmm. I just was open to dating people. And, like, I think, a, you know, when you're young, you haven't really experienced, like, profound heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And you bounce back so easily. And so I was very much like that for most of my life. I would just had the ability to bounce back after all of these relationships and be open to love again within, like, a... I was just like, yeah, you know? And so... Do you find that you, like, get to know yourself better through other people? And that's why, like, dating is such a a thing about your lifestyle? Yeah, and I think that I also grew up with a dynamic where I didn't... You're child. No, I have two older brothers, but I grew up in a really, like, tumultuous, like, home life. I had a lot of shit that I had to deal with as a kid, and I didn't live in a healthy household. And so, as I got older, I found that in my partners. Mm -hmm. And so... For me, when I have a relationship because my family dynamics are not healthy, I really seek that sense of home in other people because I don't have it with my family. And I think that that's a big part of it. Mm. So fast forward, I'm, you know, I'm trying to navigate dating in the way that I always have, which is jumping person to person. So I always have that sense of home with somebody because I don't have that, you know, when it comes to family. Mm. And after I started therapy it just stopped working Mm. and I just I remember going on a date with this guy and like we've been hanging out super casually like not a big deal he was super sweet like nice guy but obviously there wasn't like a real connection between us and I just decided I was done with it I just was like I've been doing this since I was like I mean my first real relationship was when I was like 16 and I just didn't stop and that's a long time to not be alone. So what would you be like when left alone? Was there ever periods where you were alone? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've dated people who travel a lot and stuff like that. So I would have that within my relationships. And I, I've never required, like, really, like, close relationships. Like, whenever I have relationships with people, I love my freedom within my relationships. And I like to be with people who also like their freedom within relationships. Not to say, like, other people. But, like... I don't need to talk to my boyfriend every single day. I've yeah. never been like that, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I, you know, I've heard from a lot of men, like, you don't need me. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. And, like, if it makes you uncomfortable, then I can't help you because I just, we're individuals, you know? And I really like to maintain that. And so Let's talk for a brief second before yeah. going back to celibacy about, like, as the type of women we are, we're strong as women, very independent. We know what we need, and we know like what we won't accept. Mm-hmm. So while we can acknowledge that like being a free bird and a free spirit and all of this is like attractive to others mm-hmm. and helps us maintain our connection with ourselves, I recently realized there was like a wall to that, which was if I I noticed if I expected authenticity from another party, then I need to put out consistency. Mm-hmm. And that consistency, while I'm not used to it, really, really helps someone else be attached. And, like, for me to be attached, like, I need to be radically open with you, but also, like, 
space, like time is different for me or something. Like, I don't need to hear from you every day, absolutely. Yeah. But someone else needs to feel wanted. Absolutely. And that helps them be securely attached. Yeah. And so, like, it's a weird shift, I think, from our, like, early 20s to our, like, late 20s when we realized that, like, those game playings were actually, we're playing games with ourselves. Yeah. So we don't get attached to people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, it, it can get, and it can get rough. You can get, like, really into the thick of it when you get into that headspace. And yeah. Again, if you're not self-aware and you don't pick up on it, you just do it over and over and over again without the awareness of what's even going on, and you're just constantly wondering why you're getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's just looking for a home, but, like, you're not really seeing this person that you're being attached to because Mm -hmm. it's um, based off of whatever you're telling yourself, whatever delusion. Yeah, exactly. So celibacy. Yeah, and so I basically, I just was trying to date, and I just completely lost interest in it, and obviously being in my industry, it is hard to find a partner that can be fully accepting of everything that comes with it. You need somebody who is really open-minded, really progressive, and really confident. Like, Let's stop for a second and acknowledge it. In our lives, we have both come across partners who say they're okay with it. But they're not. And then we will find ourselves attached perhaps two years in, and mm-hmm. then find out that uh, how we see them is not how they've seen us. Yeah. And that, like, we've attached to someone who sees us as a fantasy or a part-time thing. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't think anyone ever wants to admit to themselves, if they consider themselves to be a progressive and open-minded person, they don't want to admit to themselves that maybe they're not as progressive as they thought they were. Wow. So what do you think is at the root of someone not being okay with dating you and your being how, how, how do you want to call it this world? What do you want to call this? God, this fucking freak show. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so someone who's a part of the circus and, like, dating them, like, what do you think is at the core of someone having a, a problem with it? And does it, how does it manifest? Honestly, in my experiences, it has always tied back to family and how they feel their family will perceive me. That's always what it's been rooted in. But it's also, like, it's hard to know if that's a scapegoat for, you know, you just can't deal with it and you don't want to admit it. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it always... And honestly, funnily enough, I think that in this industry where people find the most struggle and go through the most bullshit is not the general public. It's almost always family dynamic Mm -hmm. around what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. I think that's where people kind of get the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. We are dating his mom. Yeah, or we're becoming their mother, yeah. and their fucking Freudian ass can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> they have major Madonna <laughs> war complex, you know? That's why it's our obligation to dominate as we go. Exactly. Okay, so bring me back to celibacy. Yeah, well, yeah, basically I just spent a year, I just was not interested. And for the first time in my life, I was not interested, and... I think the craziest part about it was like as soon as I eliminated sex and dating from the situation, I was almost immediately able to see the benefits in my life. It was just like once my focus was not on that, my life changed because my focus went into all of these things that ultimately like serve me and I become my priority because I'm very much a giver in my relationships and my problem is that I make and this is something that I learned about myself is I make 
the people that I love a priority over myself. I will always prioritize the people that I love over me because that is just the way that I am. But funny fact about that, it is codependence. That is how you define (laughs) codependence. It's the the greasiest, most passive-aggressive way of getting your needs met. Yeah. We are lovers and like that is a that is a thing that we do yeah as, as femmes as i don't know what yeah it, it we think it's selflessness like we think this is this is how i naturally vibe with any other mm-hmm. creature and yes we are we are that way with relationships but at the same time when you take a crush or a partner off the table you do see yourself like becoming more whole absolutely and as you uh, get to know that person yeah uh, it's to go back to a situation where like that entire creature is not being seen or understood exactly or and I and I feel like I am I see ways that I compromised in the past where now that I've you know I've had this kind of like full year to commit to nobody, nobody and nothing but just myself and my growth yeah. and I understand the importance of that so much more and I just even now when I navigate situations with men there is so much now where it's an immediate no for me. Yeah. It's immediate. Like, I will not entertain it. I'm not interested in it. And it's because I spent a year cultivating this level of peace that I provided for myself that I've never experienced before in my 30 years of living. And it, I value it so fucking much now. Like, there, I'm not... there. I can't think of one reason why I would give that up or compromise that for the sake of a relationship now mm-hmm. and I and I also see now that like I've entertained partners in the past who kind of want that from me and those types of people are not attractive to me anymore hot and dope do you see celibacy as um a privilege I think so I think it's it's not easy it's not, especially when you are a person who has spent so much of your life in relationships. Like, you really have to change everything about your life your in a lot of ways. Source, your fucking... And that's scary. There's a lot of people who are defined by their relationships, you know? Yeah. And if you're defined by a relationship, then, then and you walk away from that and you become celibate, then you have to really consider, well, then what am I defined by now? How do I define myself? That shit is so tough and actually can never fully be answered. No. But what we learn from celibacy is to consistently ask ourselves that. Yeah. To know gently when we're astray. Yeah, and I think that it also is like the best way to learn how to show up for yourself. You don't have to rely and you shouldn't rely on anybody in those moments. You're just living and learning how to show up for yourself and learning how to soothe yourself and learning, you know, how to really be there for yourself in an effective way. So you were celibate for, what, a year? Like a year, And yeah. then magically you found um, a, a pretty good connection with yourself and yeah. that you weren't looking for anyone and kind of like a, a really ideal situation came about and you feel grounded enough to about it level headed. Yeah, I've like just in the past few weeks started to like dip my toe back into the dating pool and it's I'm so different this time around. It's crazy to see how different I am when I navigate people. I am the most right. upfront and direct that I have ever been in my entire oh my God, life. Same. I am writing letters. I am like boundaries are and the bullet points. A hundred percent. Well and also like I 
I can see pretty quickly, like, if something is going to work out or if it's just not going to work for me. And that's and essential because now life is about efficiency and simplicity. You remember that third Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, I don't want a complicated situation. I just want to, like, live my life and enjoy it. And I think also, like, the way that I navigate dating now is I'm just open to meeting new people and gaining new experiences. And I really don't go into it with any expectation, but I just, you know, keep my boundaries, you know, very realistic and I have my standards and those are, you know, I've got my fundamentals and I'm not willing to compromise on those particular things and I can just kind of enjoy it for what it is. And living in a new city, like dating can be a great way to meet new people. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's true, it's true. And, like, if you're kind of like us, you're, like, a cuddly creature, it's yeah. also a nice way to just kind of... Yeah, yeah. Be helped. Yeah, know, absolutely. But I also feel like, for me, like, sex... If a man wants to have sex with me, like, that's such a privilege. Yeah, if I'm going to let you have sex with me, that is such a fucking privilege. And... Good. That's yeah, healthy. that's very much how I, how I see it. And I am, you know, we were talking about this before, I really do now... I used to see sex as, like, I don't know what I used to see sex as before. I don't, you know. But now I really do perceive it as an exchange of energy between two people. And I think that when you have sex with somebody, like, you really do. Like, you take on that person's energy and they take on your energy. And you have to be really careful about whose energy you want to take on. And that has been something that has been really helpful and keeps me mindful. It's like... You know what? I've even noticed like being mindful of my state in mm-hmm. sexual interactions and the state of my sexual partner mm-hmm. going into an interaction. I have like suspended sex until later notice or like before penetration realized like actually we're not energetically aligned right now. Yeah. Or I'm not. I'm someone who's really deliberate about my orgasms. I feel that they're portal to um, our manifestations and, and to alternate realms that are currently current with us mm-hmm. and so if if I'm not able to be present enough to conjure up like what I want to come to or if I read that this person isn't like at the same energy or even higher then I'm not going to engage totally and um, I think it takes a strong partner to be non-reactionary in that as well yeah I mean men don't make new orgasms so <laughs> <laughs> so where can let's be honest like Basically, every man ever will not be eligible to fuck you. So where can people find you on the internet? Alpha Good Girl. Alpha Good Girl, yes. That is my Instagram. And that's, uh, I do the Twitter, but it's like so cheesy and stupid. Don't look at my Twitter, please. <laughs> you do TikTok and you do OnlyFans. I do, yeah. So I basically, like, I have my stage name and my stage presence. And then I have my own, you know, personal stuff. And I, there is, like, a bit of overlap. I try to keep it as separate as possible. Um, but I do the TikTok. The TikTok for me is very much a marketing tool though. Mm-hmm. It's a really great way to build your social media platforms and to drive subscribers to an OnlyFans page. Where can men pay you? OnlyFans? Cool. Yeah, and my free cams. What's your handles there? Uh, I go by the Chloe Rose or just Chloe Rose on either of them. And it's got two E's on the very end. So it's like Chloe Rosie. Spell it letter by letter, super slow. <laughs> okay, so for my free cans, it's Chloe Rose, which is C H L O E R O S E E, and then on my free 
week, or sorry, on OnlyFans, it is the Chloe Rose, which is T H E C H L O E R O S E E. Why did I feel like I didn't spell that right? I'm oh pretty sure I did, though. Goodness, let's go back over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find you as the Chloe Rose. I think I spelled it right. I think I'm just stoned, honestly. I, you know, when like you're stoned and you look at a word and you've spelled it right, but you're convinced so it's wrong. I feel like I just did that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Um, I love you so much. Thank you for this. Thank you. Yeah. That was fun. I like that. Oh, yeah. Very chill. I'm going to cut it. Woo!